following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. Take a few notes if you can. There's a few things we're going to look forward to. Let me offer these things to you now so you can go ahead and jot them down. And we'll look forward to them as we get uh, uh, into the scripture here. Uh, one, we're going to find the opposite of anger. I'll tell you why that's so important here as we uh, open up the message. The opposite of anger. And then a second thing we're going to find is what makes you uncommon? There's a lot of common things in this world. And there's something that makes you uncommon. And then a third thing we're going to find is what is necessary to get better? I mean, I want to get better in so many parts of my life. I mean, I want to know what's needed in order to get better in every one of those things. And there's something that is a common element that we have to have. Uh, so as we, we move through these things, we're going to just go step by step through a, a number of scriptures here. We're going to find those things and a lot more. Uh, we're going to start, though, with the opposite of anger. And let me just open up the message with this. There's kind of a motivation behind this. I've mentioned before that I like to take things from my life and just examine them and ask, you know, why... Why did I experience that? Is there a purpose behind this? Does, does this thing that took place privately in my life have a public purpose? And I think a lot of that stuff is, is something that we ought to consider. I mean, you experience things in your life so that you can help uh, other people around you deal with those similar things. And so the things that happen in your life will have a, a purpose behind them. But uh, one of the things that was really a frustration to me over this uh, past week was I thought, my response to different situations wasn't as healthy or strong as it should be. I felt like I was being provoked to anger, which is a bad thing. And I've preached a number of messages, and they're all really you know, powerful when you look at through the, the Scripture, what God has to say about anger. But this isn't a message about anger. If we learned about anger, we would just walk away knowing how bad it is. And it's not a good thing. But if we can see the difference or the opposite of anger and what we need to have in our life, then we can start to pursue a solution rather than just know what the problem is. So I mentioned before we're going to find out the opposite of anger, and I want to offer that to you from the scripture here as we, uh, we kick off today's message. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Isaiah. I want to look at chapter 12, and I want to look at verses 1 and 2. Isaiah 12, 1 and 2. Isaiah 12, 1 and 2, it, it reads like this. I give thanks to you, O Lord, for although you were angry with me, your anger is now turned away and you comfort me. Behold, God, you are my salvation. I will trust in you. I will not be afraid. You are my strength. You have become my deliverance. So it's this wonderful uh, declaration of God's goodness and the wonderful results of his, his favor and his fighting on your behalf and, and the promise of victory. I mean, we would all say that those are desirable things. We want those things. But the thing that's intriguing to me is what's the contrast to anger. That this passage of scripture opens up and says, you were once angry with me, but now, it doesn't say you're nice to me, it says you comfort me. This is something that really changes things for me personally, because, you know, I was always uh, thinking that if I was angry about something, then I needed to have the opposite of that in my life, and normally for me, that meant being happy about something, or, or, or being nice, or kind, instead of being mean. And in this situation, I see something that is a completely different approach to this contrast to anger. And it happens to be something that is throughout the scripture. We're going to see that. There's a lot of passages concerning comfort and the wonders of comfort, the promise of comfort, 
and the benefits of comfort, and that's what we're going to look at. When we know these things, it's not just to affect our, our Bible IQ or our, our intelligence. It's not just an academic thing, but rather it's an instruction, right? I mean, when I start to feel myself slipping and behaving in negative ways because of anger, I know right now I need to have comfort. And it makes sense to me. I started thinking about my week and thought, why am I being so short with people? Why do I feel so provoked? Why do I feel these stirrings inside of me that are, are, are not godly and I want to deal with them appropriately? What well, was because of stress and strain and frustration, maybe worry, maybe doubt, a lot of stuff, anxiety can build up, and the next thing you know, you're not behaving like you should be. So the question is, what do you need? Well, based on this passage of Scripture, you need comfort. Something to change, something to, to be introduced that provides a, a sense of security and stability. That makes perfect sense to me. So I can take that now into my prayer life. I can begin to pray and say, hey, Father, I'm dealing with things and I'm not handling them well. Let your comfort prevail in my heart and in my mind. Bring some form of comfort to this situation so that I don't lose it. Those are good prayers to pray. And God's faithful to perform and deliver. In fact, we'll see that in the scripture here. There's something great about comfort. I mean, it's really what's going to make your life improve. It's what's going to make things uh, uh, increase. It's what's going to make things productive and prosperous. Here's a passage of scripture that you can hang your hat on as it concerns that. Uh, Psalm 71, 21. Psalm 71, 21. It's a prayer. It's being released to God from the one who's praying. And in this case, that would be me or you. And this is what it says. You increase my greatness by comforting me on every side. Just means you make me better. You make me better in every aspect of my life. Anything where I want to see God bring improvement, anything where I want to see something grow or become more stable or gain in strength or, or productivity or prosperity, I need to see God's comfort introduced to that. God, bring comfort to my marriage, bring comfort to my family, bring comfort to this congregation, bring comfort to the businesses that I've got my hands in. Bring your comfort into those things so that they can continue to grow in greatness. What's really interesting about this is, is that, you know, you begin to see this through the scripture and you start to think, where are you going with this? You know, I mean, God is talking about his comfort throughout the scripture and as we get through the scripture, we begin to see exactly why it's so important that this be a priority in our lives. Not just what it means to not have stress or strain, but the idea that God is a comforter. He is there to bring this into our lives. Here's a passage of scripture uh, that I want to give you, and it's, it's really why God does bring this into your life. The reason why God would bring comfort into your life in order to respond to anger and, and frustration and disappointment and things like that has got a wonderful purpose to it. It's meant to be reciprocated. It's meant to be duplicated. It's meant to be not only something that's received, but something that's poured out. Let me give you a passage of scripture as it concerns this. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we're going to read verses 3 and 5. 3 through 5, excuse me. It opens with this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies and the God of all comfort. I mean, I pause there and I think, what a great description of your heavenly Father. That he's the God of all comfort. That means all comfort will come through him. There's no source of comfort that will perform outside of him. Even if something offers a temporary promise of relief, that promise of relief is temporary. And in the end, 
you will be left in the same position of discomfort that you were in in the first place. And it's probably going to get worse. Because as things don't progress, they regress. Very few things stay the same, if anything at all. But what you see here is you see God being identified as the God of all comfort. It goes on to say this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction, so that, will you just say so that? Yeah, see, it's important that you catch that, because here's why God would do this in the first place. He does love you, and he does want your life to be enjoyable. That's a good thing. But there's also a reason why he would bring this comfort during your time of adversity, and it's something that we all need. There's a reason for that, and that reason is as follows. So that you will be able to comfort those who are suffering affliction with the same comfort with which you were comforted by God. Now, when you read that, that's a lot of comfort, right? I mean, that word's in there like six times. It's, it's a, a, a mouthful, but the reality is God is doing something. He's meeting us in our point of affliction so that he can bring about comfort in order to equip us to go and give comfort to those who are suffering. That can invade your prayer life. God, I, I want to, to be free from this affliction, but not just so that my life can be easy. I want to be equipped to do your work. I'm tired of being mean to people. I'm tired of being ugly. I'm tired of being nasty. I'm tired of reciprocating frustration. I'm tired of, of speaking in a way that's not pleasing to you, behaving in a way that's not pleasing to you. I need your comfort in my life, and I don't just want it so that my life can be easy. I want it so that my life can represent you. And if I don't have that, how can I give it? Let your comfort enter into my life so that it can be released through my life. Set me free from this affliction in the midst of all of this hardship and trial so that I can go to those who are suffering the same and bring about your comfort with my words and actions. I want to look just like you. Here's something that's interesting to me about uh, uh, comfort. It, you can identify who needs it. I mean, I told you this past week I was evaluating some things and realizing, man, uh, I'm not doing very good on, on this front and this front. And it's important to evaluate your life. If we don't do that, we could easily fall into some form of deception and think things are good when they're not good. But I was thinking, you know, used to, you would have handled this differently. You would have spoken different. You would have behaved different. And now this is a real challenge, so we need to fix this. We've got to figure out what's up. Well, people that are in need of comfort will give you signs. There's, an, there's things that identify those that need comfort. In fact, here's a passage of Scripture for you. This is a passage of Scripture that we're founded on as a congregation. I mean, it's, it's within uh, who we are and our, our uh, identity statements and things like that. Uh, it's, a, it's about the anointing that's on Jesus Christ, the same anointing that's on you. It comes from Isaiah, Isaiah 61. I want to read verses 1 through 3. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because... I always stop there. And I think, how big is that statement? The reason for the birth of our King Jesus and his life and his ministry and the miracles and then the suffering of the cross and then the burial and the resurrection and the empty tomb and the ascension to heaven, all so that the Holy Spirit could be poured out is all because of what's going to follow. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because. Because God's anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted, and he sent me to, to heal the brokenhearted and proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the favor of God and to comfort all who mourn. 
interesting thing. And I can get behind all of these aspects of the scripture and the call of God on my life to do these things. But if I don't consider that last one, I think I could miss the whole mark. That my calling is to bring comfort to those who mourn. That's also a great identification for those that need comfort. People are crying. They're mourning. They're sorrowful. They're depressed. You can see it. You can hear it. You can feel it. And when you see and you hear and you feel that, you have a choice. It's either I'm going to distance myself from that because that's unattractive to me, and that's really the lazy way to go about it. Or you see, I'm called to bring a solution to that. I need to address that. Now, I've done those things both ways and on a number of different occasions. There have been times I didn't feel I had the energy to deal with something, and so you end up getting met with someone who's mourning or going through some difficult time, and you, you distance from it or, or you reject it. It's, it's really destructive. It's a terrible way to behave, and praise God that Jesus doesn't do that to us or else we'd all be in big trouble. But when I begin to think about the passage of Scripture and the calling on our lives and the purpose to function just like Jesus, to comfort all who mourn, I begin to see with a different uh, perspective that when I'm seeing someone in mourning and depression or in some kind of a, a state where there's a need for comfort, that this is where I'm called to receive from God and then go and give. That can affect your prayer life. Father, how can I bring comfort to this situation? Let me tell you something. I can tell you about 100% of the problems I've ever had within my marriage would be fixed if I would exercise what I just said. She's upset at me. How can I bring comfort to this situation instead of how can I defend myself or how can I tell her she's wrong or how can I argue my point? I think it's really amazing that you see Jesus in his life. It's really hostile. I mean, like, people are against him. They are planning and plotting against him. They're challenging him. There's a lot of adversity, but yet you never hear him argue and bicker. You never hear him fuss and whine. You never hear him fight. You never hear him defend himself. But yet in situations, every time there's this affliction or this attempt to disrupt, he offers comfort, some word of wisdom. Somebody gets healed. Something great happens. I want to be like that. I don't want to be really good at winning fights. I want to be really good at fixing problems. So then you've got to ask yourself, well, where is this comfort needed? I mean, if you can identify it by seeing people that are, are, are mourning, if you hear sorrow or if you hear depression or you hear frustration, hurt, wound, disappointment, complaint, if you hear that and you can identify, hey, that's a person that needs comfort, now the question is, where do you apply this wonderful thing to get a result? I'll give you a passage of scripture here that will identify where comfort is needed. Isaiah 51, verse 3. It says, The Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all of her waste places and make her wilderness like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. I'm going to finish reading it, but we're going to go back and dissect this a little bit. Joy and gladness will be found therein, and thanksgiving and the voice of melody. That's a really great scripture to consider. I mean, where comfort is needed is in these places of waste, where there's not productivity. I mean, when, when this passage of scripture is talking about turning the desert into the Garden of Eden, I think it's trying to use a real extreme language about these, these opposite uh, situations. One is com completely fruitless and desolate, and the other is the absolute picture of fruitfulness. It's lush. That's the power of comfort. Man, that makes me not only want to receive God's comfort in my life, but it makes me want to be a carrier of his comfort into the lives of others. 
This has the power to completely turn things around, to take something that cannot produce and make it productive, to take something that is dry and a waste and make it productive and fruitful, to take something that provides no nourishment and only brings death and make it something that's nourishing and produces life. This is a powerful thing. Now in my life, I'm realizing I want to prioritize comfort. I want to receive your comfort. I want to carry your comfort. I want to release your comfort. I'm tired of bringing the desert when I'm called to bring the garden of the Lord. Let me tell you something. I brought a lot of desert to a lot of people. But the call on my life is to carry the comfort of God. And then listen to the things that are the result. Remember, you'll hear the, the, the sounds of those that need comfort, you know, the, to comfort those that mourn. That's the, that's the sorrow, the depression, the, the afflicted, the, the complaint, and all of that. Now listen to, the, the, to what someone that's been comforted is described as. Joy and gladness will be found there. Thanksgiving. That means just gratitude, gratefulness. Have you ever been around a grateful person? Let me tell you something. You can't stand close enough to them. You just want it to rub off on you. Gratitude is a wonderful thing. And then the voice of melody, just general pleasantness. I want that for my life. When people describe me, if somebody were to say, yeah, I met Preston, uh, man, joy and gladness are found within him. <laughs> I mean, we don't talk like that, right? But I'm just thinking, how many people have met me and thought, man, that guy's a jerk? There's been a handful, I promise you that. But I want to be described like this, man. I want the result of God's comfort in my life where when people think about me, they think, man, that's a real joyful guy. I've never met someone who's more glad to be alive. He's grateful for everything he's got. He's just all around generally pleasant. That's how we're called to live. That's that garden of the Lord. That's that garden of Eden. That's the absence of the desert and the waste places and the presence of those things that are productive. So then the question is, you know, how do we get this? It's one thing to hear about it. And let me tell you something. When you hear something that you know you need, but you don't know how to get it, that's torment and torture. People whose lives are miserable and need to have joy and need to have gratitude and all these things, they'll hear that and they say, I need that. But if you don't lead them into how to get it, then it's just depressing. And it's just a reminder that you don't have what you need. And life stinks. But the scripture is real clear that there's a way to, to receive the comfort that God has provided for us. In fact, let me give you a couple passages of scripture. I think these are the things that we really ought to pay attention to. It's one thing to know we need something, and it's another thing to know how to get it. Uh, if you want to, for your notes, write this down. Exodus chapter 33. Uh, we're going to look at verses 13 through 16, but let me tell you something. This is one of my favorite passages of scripture with its content. I'm going to paraphrase a lot because... It's just this really wonderful thing to consider. I mean, it really happened. It's history. But as we tell it as, as that history, as you actually tell the story of what happened, it's so rich in, in who God is and in who we're called to be. This passage of Scripture is Moses having a conversation with God. I mean, when you think about that, that in and of itself is just this wonderful and phenomenal thing. I mean, here's a man having a conversation with God about life about being productive, about being a success. He's got a love and an affection for God, and, and, and God has revealed his love and his affection for this man, just like we are today in a relationship with God. But yet, here Moses is, and he wants to know more. Let me read what, what goes on here. 
Moses is speaking and he says, God, if I found any favor in your sight, let me know your way so that I may know you. And then God responds. And I love this response because this response is something that I, it kind of comes out of left field. You're thinking, you know, that was kind of a, a, a yes or no situation. Like, sure, I can do that. But yet here's what God says to Moses. God says to Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you comfort. Your translation may say rest, but the word is nuach. It means to provide comfort. And Moses makes this statement. I think this is really great. I mean, consider this as it concerns your life. Moses says, definitely, we need your presence to go with us. In fact, if you don't go with us, we don't want to take another step. And that sounds like this really kind of a, a, a noble thing to say. I mean, but yet Moses describes why this is so important. He's saying, listen, if you won't go with us, we don't want to move. And here, here's where he describes why. Because how could it be known that we're your people if you're not with us? How would we be distinguished from anyone else on the face of the earth without your presence? I mean, when I told you before we're going to find out what makes you uncommon, that's it right there. The presence of God, the one who promised to go with you and give you comfort. That's what's going to make me stand out against the rest of the world. When everything's falling apart, I have comfort. They can panic, they can freak out, they can start tearing each other apart with anger and rage and bitterness, and I can walk in the comfort of the Lord. That's what I'm equipped to do, that's what I'm called to do. I'm not only called to receive it, but I'm called to go and give it and distribute it freely. That's what makes us different. That's what makes it so dangerous when I don't do that. When I fail to be different and I begin to be common and I just begin to lash out or, or be frustrated or, or treat people poorly and operate with anger and disappointment and, and begin to reciprocate hurt for hurt and wound for wound, it means I'm stepping out of my calling. I'm giving up this uncommon identity that I have to be the face of comfort in the midst of disaster and I'm taking on what is common, what is base. I'm stepping away from this supernatural call and I've become very natural, animalistic, operating in instinct instead of conviction. Comfort is the difference. Think about that. Think about everything God could have said there. He could have said, I will go with you and I will give you forgiveness. I will go with you and I will give you victory. I will go with you, and I will give you power. I will go with you, and I will... He could say all of these things, and, and you know what? They'd all be great. There's not one of those things that I just listed that I wouldn't stand and cheer and say, yes, please, thank you, sign me up for that. But God is so intentional. There's not something that he said and just thinks, you know what? I really said that well. That worked out. I hope somebody wrote that down. This is a word that the one who was and is and is to come, all-knowing, omniscient, omnipresent, he knows the end from the beginning. He chose that word on purpose. I'll go with you, and I'll give you comfort. That tells me I need this in my life. I need comfort. If I don't have comfort, then all of the anxiety that builds up is going to win. All the provocation that is pushing against me will eventually win. All of the pressure and all the influence without God's comfort is eventually going to win. And you're going to slip and slip and slip and slip and slip until the next thing you know, you're at the bottom. I need your comfort. Let your comfort prevail. You promised to go with me, 
and bring comfort. Let my heart be open to receive it. Let my mind be renewed to accept it and let it prevail in every aspect of my living so that I can stand out in this world as someone that's different. Now, here's where this becomes something that's real relevant to our, our, our current uh, day as, as believers, as Christians. When you begin to see the ministry of Jesus Christ and you're looking for this concept of comfort, you begin to see he talks about comfort a lot. Let me give you a passage of scripture here as we consider the presence of the Lord going with us and God giving us comfort. Uh, John 16, verses 7 and 8, Jesus is talking. He's talking about going to the cross on our behalf and, and, and then, you know, being gone and then coming from the grave. He's telling it all as it's going to come to pass. And he includes this. I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. That means die. It's to your advantage that I go and die on your behalf. If I don't go away, the comforter, that is the Holy Spirit, won't come. Isn't this interesting that as the Holy Spirit now begins to become relevant in, in the, the New Testament, in the Scripture, in, in the words, in this teachings, in the, the conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples, that he intentionally describes him as the comforter. I mean, it's a whole different concept to consider that. I mean, it's right in front of us. It's in black and white. It's on the page. You read it. But the question is, do we ever stop and think about that? What an interesting description for the Spirit of God to be identified as the comforter. And Jesus is talking about this. He speaks about the Holy Ghost multiple times as the comforter. Here's another passage, John 14, 26 and 27. The comforter, who is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he'll teach you all things and bring to your remembrance the things that I've taught you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Let not your heart be troubled, let it not be afraid. Man, I need to take that passage of scripture and I need to assault every one of those problems and challenges and trials that are trying to drag me down with that truth. I'm not going to let my heart be troubled. I'm not going to be afraid because God has made a way for comfort to prevail in my life. Here's another passage of scripture, uh, John 14, 16 and 17, or 16 through 17, excuse me. Jesus is speaking. He's, he's talking about how he's going to pray for you. And I'll pray and I'll ask the Father to give you another comforter that he would abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world can't receive because it doesn't know him. But you know him, and he'll dwell in you. Isn't that amazing? That God's promise to Moses, yeah, I will go with you, and I will give you comfort, is being fulfilled to this day by the presence of the Holy Spirit in and active in your life, through your life. I mentioned before we're going to find out what's needed to get better. I want to close with this passage of Scripture, and then I want to pray for us uh, today before we dismiss. But I want to give you this passage of Scripture from Acts, Acts chapter 9. It's, it's verse 31. Now, it's talking about the church, right? But the idea of the church is, is the people that make up the church. I mean, Champions Church is not a building. It's not 7474 Buffalo Gap Road. Champions Church is the people that are sitting in this room, Right? And, and some that aren't sitting in this room this morning. But the reality is, this is about your life. Here's how this passage reads, and we're going to dissect a little bit, and then we're going to close. It's talking about the church, and it says, The church enjoyed peace. Boy, I like that. 
The church enjoyed being built up and moving forward with reverence to God and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it continued to increase. Increase not just meaning grow in number, like more people join the club. Increase meaning getting better, growing, maturing, prospering, being better tomorrow than you were today, being better today than you were yesterday, just continuing to achieve more and accomplish more. I read that passage of Scripture and I begin to see the power and the need for comfort in my life. I want to enjoy peace. I want to be built up. I want to move forward in the things of God. And that's going to be through the comfort of the Holy Spirit that we continue to get better and better and better. So a message like this is meant to not just be something that we discuss and we think, well, that was interesting. I never noticed that word so much in the scripture. But it's something that I think we ought to take and embrace and say, God, I want that. You've obviously been very intentional to put right in front of my face the importance, the priority, the need for comfort. That you would send Jesus to the cross and you'd raise him from the dead so that you could pour out comfort into my life by the Holy Spirit. Let me not resist your comfort. Let me not uh, give an identification to, to the afflictions and the problems, uh, something more powerful or more great than the presence of uh, uh, the Holy Spirit active in and through my life, bringing comfort. I want to value appropriately what you have said as a priority in my life so that the results of embracing that priority might be released in and through me. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. I want to pray for us. big fan of self-evaluation and, and reflection. I'm a big fan of listening to the people around you when they begin to observe things that are uh, in need of, of help or assistance. I mentioned before that this week I realized there's a, there's a challenge that I'm facing and I hope that, that it relates to something that maybe is helpful to you that it was being shared, but the reality is God is at work in all of us in some way, shape, or form making us better growing us through things and, and above things, making uh, our, our ability to withstand and our ability to deal with things uh, more productive and more fruitful. And I used to just think that was through, you know, a, a whole bunch of different tools and things like, you know, increasing kindness and increasing awareness and compassion and graciousness. And I think all that stuff is true, but I think it all comes through one door, and that is the door of comfort. When God said, I will go with you and I will give you comfort, I think he gave us everything. You could go down a list of things that, that he could give that we desperately need. But the reality is, if we receive his comfort, we receive every aspect of his goodness in and through our lives. And I love when things are simplified, when things begin to be condensed down to the root because it equips us to actually pursue what matters and not be chasing after things that are elusive and maybe circumstantial or, or based on situation or, or relationship or something like that, things that change and, and are fickle. But rather, this is foundational. It's true. The Holy Spirit is present, and he is here to bring God's comfort into my life so that I can not only be comforted, but I can comfort others. I want to pray, and I want to see that stir in my heart and my mind through my life, and I want to see it stir in yours as well.
So there where you're at, we can be in an attitude of agreement or you can simply be in a, a mentality of, of receiving. I want to pray for us uh, collectively. There's no greater minister in the room than the Holy Spirit himself. Father, we bless your name and we thank you for your promise to comfort us. Let it not be written off as, as something that is uh, warm and fuzzy, but let it be something that we would embrace as necessary and absolute that your comfort is to give us direction and counsel. Let it be correction where correction is needed. Let it be impartation where we need things brought into our lives. Let it be deliverance where we need things taken out of our lives. Let your comfort prevail. And let our hearts and our minds be open to receive your comfort at all times. We thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit. We want peace and joy and thanksgiving to be the description of your people. We do not want to be those who mourn but we want to be those who comfort those that are mourning. We want to stand out and be different from this world, all because your presence goes with us and you give us comfort. Let that comfort be something that would be embraced, pursued, stir our hearts to prioritize it. Let us pray and seek your comfort in every situation and in every circumstance. And let the result of your comfort be revealed, that we would be delivered from affliction, that we would be equipped to go and deliver those who are suffering. And let the result be gratitude, thanksgiving, praise, and worship. Let it be an evangelistic work in and through our lives, that we truly would stand out in this world as different, and that that difference would be so desirable and so attractive to those around us that they would be drawn to you for your glory and your namesake. We bless you, and we thank you for this wonderful promise to not only provide comfort to us, but to release comfort through us. We give you thanks for this wonderful and powerful calling. Be glorified and magnified as we walk in your comfort and we distribute your comfort freely. We bless you and we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. And all the saints declared, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.